being in that academic setting, it was interesting because it has a lot to do with podcasting. You're forced to, especially with community theater, you're forced to do things with less resources. You know, you have to do everything. Pretty much you got to do everything yourself. So you have to be able to make sure you got backups for everything and, and all that stuff. Kind of where this artistic streak in me comes from. Podcast Chunkies, episode 314. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new to this show, if somehow this guest got you to listen to this very first episode of this podcast, then welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the show where we search out interesting voices in podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. If you are a regular listener like our upcoming guest, then Thank you so much for spending an hour of your time, maybe less if you're doing a 1.5x, 1.2x, it's less, maybe 45 minutes of your time, and spending it with me and this show and my guests. I'm being selective about the folks that I bring on, and it's probably why you've seen me not be more consistent every single week turning out episodes. I want to make sure that the conversations I have here are meaningful for me. And by extension of that thought, meaningful for you, because I value your time. And I know that there's so many podcasts to listen to, so many new podcasts coming out every day. And to say that I value your time is an extreme understatement because podcasting since 2014 with this show, it's so crazy how much content is out there to consume. And that reminds me, as I am publishing this in April of 2023. This is the nine-year anniversary of Podcast Junkies. I launched in April of 2014, and next year is going to be 10 years. It's wild, crazy. I can't even put to words <laughs> what that feels like. And I'm sure at some point when I get to that 10-year anniversary, there'll be a whole episode about that. But there's so many interesting things that have happened along the way, so many great stories. I wouldn't have my business without Podcast Junkies. I wouldn't have my second show without Podcast Junkies. I wouldn't have met my current partner without the show. And I'm just grateful for all the opportunities that podcasting has brought my way. Speaking of gratitude, we had a great, deep, meaningful, personal, touching conversation with Dan Cumberland, host of the Meaning Movement podcast. I love how in some of these newer conversations, we're going deep and we're having folks talk about personal stuff. And I'm grateful that I'm able to hold space for them and that they feel comfortable enough to share their touching and personal stories with me and you at the same time. Dan came on to talk about the impact of ADHD on his work and his need to make adjustments to his show. He highlights the importance of embracing entrepreneurship culture and sharing lessons along the way and also touches on the topic of giving children agency over their own choices and how his show has evolved to explore personal life and transitions. If any of those topics resonate with you, please check it out, 313 Dan Cumberland. As I mentioned, this week's guest, Timothy Kim O'Brien, or Tim to you and I, is a regular listener of the show. He shares the story of how he found this show and what kept him listening. We talk about the intersection of podcasting and art therapy and how the two can be used as powerful tools for healing and connection. Tim shares his personal experiences using art therapy to help veterans and others work through emotional issues and emphasizes the importance of showing empathy towards oneself at the same time. We dive into the stigmatization of art and spirituality, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and the value of podcasting as a way to preserve memories and stories for future generations. I know you'll gain great advice and inspiration, and hopefully this will help you tap into your own creativity and help you understand the importance of prioritizing self-care. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoyed past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. You know who you are when I tell you that you've been thinking about doing this for a while and you just haven't. So go ahead, ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. The best part about it, I get to read it out on a future episode. As a reminder, if you are learning more about the value for value model, check out new podcast apps that support direct podcaster support newpodcastapps.com and discover a whole new world of podcast apps that allow you to support your favorite podcaster. As I mentioned before, I'll start digging into this a bit more in future episodes and read out some of the boostograms I've been receiving lately. Okay, 
Can't wait to jump into this conversation with Tim. But before we do, here are a few words from the amazing folks that support this show. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite and the link will be in the show notes as well. So Tim Bryan, host of the Create Art Podcast, thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Harry, it's great to be here. I love your show and I've been a follower of yours since 2018. Since when? Since uh, about 2018. I You were at NAPCOM. Yes. And I was doing a brief talk about how to interview guests and you as the example. And there you were in the audience. And, you know, I said your name and you know, raised up a fist. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I finally made it in the podcast. World. <laughs> Do you remember how you found my show initially? How did I find your show? I was looking for shows about podcasting. And, you know, I had ran into Daniel J. Lewis, Dave Jack, yep. and yours popped up and I saw your logo there. And I was just like, that's striking. <laughs> and sure enough, there you were. And I was like, oh, wow. So I caught you like, yeah, in that 2017, 2018 time period there and been a fan ever since. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And it's important, I think, as podcasters to we sort of like live in this box where we're recording, like I'm in my office, you're in your office, and it's nice to have that interaction with the outside world, but sometimes it's challenging because it's remotely. And so going to events like MapCon, especially MapCon, shout out to Joe Pardo. It's a shame that's not around anymore. I don't know if he's going to bring it back, but I, what I love about that is the intimacy. I think it was capped at 120 people and it was one room, single track, and then we always had a lunch together. Was it one day or two days? It was about two days. It was about yeah. two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great because, you know, like you said, everyone got a chance to speak. I got to meet great folks that I wouldn't have otherwise probably met at a big conference like PodFest or Podcast Movement. Annette Bone comes to mind and, you know, who traveled all the way across the country of California to be there for those early ones. And so I still have a couple of my Joe Pardo t-shirts. <laughs> well, I'm officially working right now. Otherwise, I'd have on one of his uh, t-shirts for sure. I always called him the hardest working man in podcasting because it was so funny because he would be like emceeing, he'd be videotaping, he'd be doing some socials, he'd be introducing the guest, he'd be coordinating like the next speaker, he'd be getting lunch ready. I was like, Joe, you need, like he'd have a couple of people helping him, but still he was sort of like those uh, buskers that can play the harmonica and, and the tambourine and the drum and the guitar at the same time. Oh yeah. Go to his Facebook page for uh, Indie PodCon. There's a picture of him in the middle of a map con. I don't know which one it was, but he's got his baby girl there and she's, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> that every time. And I'm like, Joe, you're an honorary twin dad podcaster as you have uh, bestowed that upon him. So, so talk a little bit about um, where's home for you right now. just for, for the benefit of the listener. Oh, sure. I'm in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is about 40 miles south of D.C. I never say, you know, how many hours it is because you never know because the traffic here is uh, horrendous. But my where I'm actually from is from Chicago. But I moved out here back in 2013 to marry my college sweetheart. And the rest, as we like to say, is history. Yeah. And I imagine MapCon showed up on your radar as, as a local conference at the time. Yeah, it did. I had been working with a good friend of mine, Kyle Bondo, and he had a local meetup here. And I saw it and I said, you know what? That can't be the guy's real name. I'm going to go and find <laughs> out. And Kyle Bondo, that's not a real name. That's funny. So I go there and sure enough, there he is with, you know, monsters of dirt and, you know, all of his mountain bike racing stuff. And it was, you know, it was an instant connection with he and I. He took me to D.C., Podfest. Oh yeah. 2017. And I remember it to this day because two weeks previous to that, I had neck surgery. So I had my C4 through C7 fused. So my voice was just it's like they took my vocal cords out and wrapped it around my ankle. It was horrible. And everybody was like, you're not doing voiceovers, are you? Nope. No, <laughs> I'm not. But I did that. I ran into Joe there and ran into uh, Chris and uh, Joe Chris was like, Mitos? Yeah, Chris Grimisos. And he said, Joe was like, hey, I've got this thing called MapCon going on in a couple of months. You want to show up? 
Yes, yes, absolutely. So I did that. And here's the funny thing. And this is how much I love the podcast world that we imbibe in. So I go to that pod fest. Now, Chris is known by just about everybody and their brother and their aunt and their cousin. Yeah. I go to a MapCon. Chris walks up to me. He goes, how's your neck? How's your voice? How's your twin girl? And I was like, how do you remember that? So unfortunately, I haven't gone to a actual in-person PodFest yet, but I will be doing the uh, PodFest Global. I love that program. So I'll definitely be there for that. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you mentioned Chris, you mentioned Joe, and there's something about the something in your DNA that you need in order to like put an event together. It's a special skill set. It's not for the faint of heart. And kudos to Chris for making his way through COVID, <laughs> like, which is like the worst possible event you can have as an event organizer. Like, I mean, tons of people went out of business and he was able to pivot and keep it alive. And the podcast movement guys, same as well. So it's always fun. And they all have their different flavor now. Like I've been to so many different ones now, and I think they all have their own character. I still think there's space for the smaller ones, sort of like the MapCon vibes. So it's interesting to see. And that's Jennifer that runs the DC PodFest, I think, as well. And is she still running that or is that on pause as well? I believe it's on hiatus for right now. I know that they were going to do a She Podcast in DC. I don't know if they already did it or if that's coming up, but DC PodFest right now that's on hiatus and I'm hoping it comes back soon because that's a good one too. It, it, for me, it's like the intermediary between MapCon and PodFest. You know, a couple of tracks going on on the last few years and it was still very intimate, but you got everything you needed as a podcaster. You had your community there. You had your uh, hallway conversations, which were fantastic. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. So I know Jennifer listens. <laughs> and if, yeah, and if, and if she's not listening to this specific episode, we'll tag her when we promote it and be like, Hey, at minute eight, listen out for your name. I, used, I haven't been doing as much of a good job, but in, just from a marketing perspective, I would always keep track of when we mentioned other podcasters, cause I know they're active on social. So I'd be like, Hey, Jennifer, you might want to listen to minute eight of this interview with Tim, because you're mentioned. And that gets her excited to go get one free down, get another download <laughs> as a result of that. So just, you know, as podcasters, you have to do all the little things, right? Because that there's no silver bullet. So I'm wondering if we could rewind the clock back a bit, you know, and, and talk about your podcasting journey and how you entered this world and like, what was the, the first start look like? Well, I'm going to take you back even a little bit farther than when podcasting started. So in the late nineties, there was this movie called pump up the volume. It had Christian Slater in it. He was playing a radio DJ, a pirate radio is what he was doing. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool because I had moved so many times around the country. So you know, my friends were spread all over the world. And I was like, man, if I could do that, that'd be great. And, you know, I'm not Christian Slater. I don't have his looks, but you know, I have a better taste in music, I think. And you can't do a, a great Jack Nicholson impersonation like he can. <laughs> I'd rather even try. So I see that movie, and then about 2005, I uh, get hooked up with this podcast. It was a uh, poetry podcast, and it was on Blog Talk Radio. You can call in, read your poems, get it critiqued right there. And they asked me to be part of their collection. They were doing a print collection. I was like, yeah, sure, what the heck, why not? And then I was like, well, this seemed pretty easy, so I think I'll give it a try. And I did that for 10 years from 2006 to 2016, horribly. I don't have recordings of it. I hear that's a common issue with a lot of the folks who are on Blog Talk Radio just getting some of their past audio. Well, I actually got it, but then my hard drive uh, decided to take a dump. And my external hard drives took a dump. And like okay, well, you know, it's the universe telling me, yeah, nobody needs to hear this ever again. The quality wasn't that good from what I've heard also. It was horrible. And a cordless phone, I didn't even have a cell phone. So you know how that goes. But so the quality was bad. The content was horrible and I wasn't taking it seriously. So fast forward to 2016 and I'm there with Kyle and taking the class and learning how to be serious about it, how to take it seriously. If you think about the conversation with Kyle and this idea of taking it more seriously, what were the, some of the key points of that conversation that stood out for you in terms of what you felt you needed to change? 
Well, I needed to have my why is the first thing. Why am I doing this podcast? And, you know, I'm a quote unquote hobbyist podcaster, but in my day job, you know, I get paid to do, do podcasting. But that was the first question is he asked me, he's like, why are you doing this? It wasn't a, an accusatory. It was, you know, he was curious, why are you doing this? So at the time I was working for the army and we had an art therapy thing going on for soldiers getting out of the army. And a lot of those uh, guys and gals, they would do this art therapy. They paint a picture, do a drawing and go, Hey Tim, we know you're the artsy fartsy guy. How does this look? And I'm like, it looks fantastic. Why aren't you up in a gallery? And they're like, nah, I don't understand all that artsy fartsy crap. And that's when I found my why that took, you know, that took about a year or so. We had a name change for it too, because it used to be KDOI podcasting, which nobody knows what KDOI means. Sounds like a radio station. Exactly. <laughs> but it stands for Chemo's Den of Iniquity, which I thought was, you know, oh, that's very cute and happy. And I get the joke, but my listeners had no idea what the heck it meant. And I was on a podcast rodeo with Dave Jackson and I submitted my show to him. I'm like, yeah, let Dave, you know, tear me a new one. Let's go. And he's like, what is KDOI? It sounds like <laughs> going on here. And I was crestfallen at that. I was like, oh my God, you called my baby ugly. And then I changed the name to create our podcast just to keep it simple. You know, you don't know what KDOI means, but when I say create art podcast, three guesses, what we talk about art. I ran a little test on Twitter a couple of days ago because I asked people to say, drop in the, just the name of your show and I'll do my best guess to like let you know what the show's about. And it's funny because I meant to do an initial honest critique of it, of it, but after about a couple of days, I saw that James Cridland had uh, posted Pod News. Uh, Pod News. And I was like, well, obviously everyone knows what that show's about, but I said, Pod News, hmm, daily updates about the business of legumes. <laughs> But I basically like, it's interesting because someone had reimagining hustle and I was like thinking about what life was like in the disco days of New York City. And I know that that's not what their show's about, but the point is like when people see the name, they're scrolling through either on Apple Podcasts or someone has mentioned the name, have you checked out my show? And they're making a value judgment, like it or not, within that first like 30 seconds is like, if you have to make them work harder to actually think about what the show's about and just seeing the name or you know the show and then cover art may help later, but the name is like the first thing you lead with, you know? And when I did my second show, Vertical Farming Podcast, I literally said, nobody knows me in this industry. No one's going to be searching for ag tech, smart news with Harry. Like no one knows who I am. So I had to like, I got the domain vertical farming podcast. And if you Google those three words now, it's the first thing that shows up in Google. And so, and that was intentional. And now people tell me all the time I was searching for a show on vertical farming. I found yours. That was intentional. <laughs> like that was, it's working. And so like kind of just circling back to your point. And a lot of times as creators, we try to be like creative and witty with our names. And to your point, like no one's searching for those phrases. Think about the phrases that people are looking for when it comes to their pain point and what they need help with. So I think that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. There's a podcast that I'm working on in development right now with my day job and it's called uh, CBP Talks. And it's all about, you know, CBP and our policies, you know, important things that, you know, we're doing to, you know, reach out to the public. But they had, before I came in, they had some weird stuff going on. I was like, guys, it's the KISS theory. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, I was kind of shocked that they were, you know, going off on wild tangents because the uh, top guy there, he's former Air Force and I'm former Air Force. And I'm like, dude, come on. We learned better in basic training. Keep it simple. <laughs> but even CBP, what does that acronym stand for? Oh, that's Custom and Border Protection. Okay. Right. So, you know, probably people closer to uh, the southern border or the northern border would have more encounters, have more knowledge of it versus, uh, you know, people, you know, sitting there in Kansas. Or Minneapolis. <laughs> but also just a lot of things, you know, and this is might be helpful for what you're working on. Because the title is a very SEO friendly field, you know, calling it CBD podcast, custom border patrol stories, leverage the fact that you have custom border and patrol in the title, because those are phrases that people would be searching for. So you could refer to it as the CBP, but like if you can put it in there, if, if the purpose is to get more folks looking into it because not only is Apple and spot people searching for topics on Spotify now just to what to listen to. So I think anything that helps them find it is going to be helpful. Oh yeah. 
Well, I'm trying to turn what I like to call this aircraft carrier that we have for the federal government with Q-tips. So we're changing the culture, but surely, but we will change it. We will uh, knock it out of the ballpark for sure. Okay. So back to your podcasting journey, where'd we leave off? <laughs> Way back in 2016, I hooked up with Kyle. And then after that, I just started getting really serious about what I was doing. I got a good microphone. I got the ATR 2100. I started communicating with other people in the pod space, in the pod sphere, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, just kind of absorbing, taking everybody's knowledge and absorbing it. And then you know, treating it like a buffet, you know, take what you want, leave the rest. And, you know, attending conferences. And then of course, you know, we had the wonderful pandemic hit us that we're still, you know, kind of going through, but that's kind of when the pandemic hit, that's kind of where things really started to ramp up because and there wasn't much else to do at home with, you know, my wife, and my kids 24 seven, I like podcasting. So really focused on that and uh, a lot of other uh, independent podcasters. And basically, you know, I kind of want to save, you know, all my recordings now for my girls when they get older and I'm no longer here because now they're going to have, you know, a decade of audio that they can listen to at any time after I'm gone. So it's, you know, for me, it's a longevity thing as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget the fact that uh, it's an archival quality to podcasting. I'm working on a show for father and son. The father's a professor in Hawaii. It's called Island Idols. Uh, again, the name is <laughs> not my favorite, but he's a professor of, of literature in Hawaii. He's well-versed. And so they cover just some books that they've both read together and they kind of dissect the book. But quite honestly, what it's really about is father and son moments. You know, and they've done three seasons now. They're doing now a new season. And again, that's going to be a memory of, that he's going to have. And he's talked about how this is important for him as an opportunity to connect with his father and have that conversation on the record and, you know, forever memorialized. And there's more and more people that are doing that. And when you think about how tradition and stories are passed down orally in indigenous cultures, it's a really important thing to think about just how we share stories. I think about stories that I've asked my parents about, you know, about their parents and they're just told to me and I've captured a couple on a recording, not in a podcast format, but something that I, I think would be helpful. And I think showing people that that's possible, you don't have to have a podcast that's meant to be like number one in iTunes if it's just has value for you. And to your point, creating this history that's going to be valuable for your daughters to, to go back and listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, you know, my parents have passed, but I remember, you know, some of the stories that they told me. And just recently I went and did some uh, genealogy work, found out that half the stories weren't even true. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not related to this person. I'm related to this person. Or, you know, we've been, you know, in Vermont and then we went to Maine and, you know, we originally come from Canada and then France. So it's been an interesting journey that I've just undertaken. So, but for my girls, I don't want to leave anything to chance to for them to wander about. I want them to know this is what your papa was doing during the pandemic. This is what he was doing after the pandemic. This is what he's doing when he goes into his man cave. And, you know, sometimes you hear him laugh or shout or whatnot. So this is what your dad likes to do. <laughs> what prompted you to join the Air Force? Well, I grew up in a town called uh, Rockford, Illinois, and just outside of Chicago. And I knew at that point in my life, I didn't have a whole lot of direction. And didn't have, you know, the greatest relationship with parents. Who does at 18? I don't know. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get out of Dodge and I'm going to, you know, go join the Air Force. And the reason I joined the Air Force is because we have a saying in there. We don't invade unless you have uh, cable and uh, air conditioning. So, but I joined up there and this Chicago boy went down to Texas. And that was a culture shift. Like you would not believe People talked slowly. <laughs> yeah, slow living there. <laughs> and I'm not a drinker, but if you, you know, you go to, over to somebody's house and they offer you a beer, you drink the beer. Don't say, no, thanks, I don't. You drink that beer. Yeah. <laughs> and you're always interested in experiences when there's a, a little bit of a culture shock. So what was it besides like the pace of how life was there? Like what else was a shock for you when you, when you got to Texas? Well, the shock of going into the military is one shock right there. You know, having a uh, guy about five foot 
seven, five foot eight with 2% body fat telling me things about my mama that I didn't know, <laughs> you know, but that chalk in Texas, I liken it to going to a whole other country. And, you know, I, nothing against Texas. I love people from Texas. Some of my dearest friends I met while I was in the air force, they were civilians. We're friends to this day. And that was back in 91, 92. But yeah, Texas is a whole other state. <laughs> it is a whole other state of mind. And I really, I enjoyed the friendliness and the openness that I got from the people that were from there. Even to this day, there's Larry Roberts, who's in the podcast space, who's a Texas guy. And, you know, I've chit-chatted with him back and forth, haven't met him in person, but I can tell you right now, he's a decent guy. He's a really decent guy. And, you know, I'll chit-chat with him any day of the, any day of the week. So. Yeah, Texas, a little bit weird. The one story I have about Texas is Rattlesnake Roundup. I was messed up. So a bunch of buddies and I, we go off base to this little town called Sweetwater. And they're like, yeah, we're going to take you to the Rattlesnake Roundup. I'm like, okay. They take clubs and beat rattlesnakes. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Things are a bit different in Texas. The time that I felt let the most in this country is when I went to New Orleans. And that was just like, well, I'm, I'm almost like in a different country because the, the culture, the way of living, the style of living, even, you know, the language, it just the customs. It was really fun because there's just, you can tell there's a vibe there that's laid back and they don't take themselves too seriously. They love just like enjoying life. And it's really helpful to see that something like that is accessible and opens your eyes to just different ways of living. Isn't that great? I mean, why can't we all live that way? I'm a Midwestern kid, okay? And it's all, you know, work, 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 you know, go to the grocery store, don't talk to me, da, da, da. But like your experience in New Orleans, my experience in Texas, my experience here in Virginia, it's a Southern United States thing from what I've experienced anyways, uh, with that openness, that welcomeness uh, to, to let people in. So it's much appreciated. You also write a little bit about your experience at the Espresso Europa in Texas and how that sort of opened up some of the creative channels for you as well. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, Espresso Europa it was a coffee shop in all, it is the epitome of a coffee shop. I've not found a coffee shop like this in my 50 years on this earth. So it's in Abilene, well, it was in Abilene, Texas, and it's just this amalgamation of artists that got together. And we had poetry readings, we had drag shows, we had our in-resident painter who he had gone to Abilene, mistakenly to Abilene, Texas, instead of Abilene, Kansas. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, that was a really pivotal point in my life because, you know, in the Air Force, everything's very regimented. And, you know, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 20 minutes late. And I could, you know, let my artistic uh, freak flag fly with them. And oh my God, did I? And, you know, it was just a really, it felt like home there. And I've only had that feeling three times in my life. Espresso Europa, when I went to Paris and the house I'm in right now. And you discovered the Surrealist movement you mentioned when you were there as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's all my fault, the Surrealist movement. No, I'm kidding. You were introduced to it or, yeah. Yeah. I had never been exposed to that, anything like that. I come from a blue collar family, so... You know, art was the last thing on our minds. And I remember the uh, shop owner, Gary, he was, we called him the purple Pope of whatever street was. He was kind of our guru for surrealism. So I, you know, read Andre Breton and a bunch of the other surrealists. And I'm like, this makes sense to me. Like, this is an interesting way of looking at the world. And a lot of people misuse the whole surreal thing. Like, you know, the word surreal is that's surreal when they see something just that's weird. When you really get into surrealism, you're looking at bringing that dreamlike state, that dream, the stuff that happens in your mind, in your dreams, and bringing it out into the quote unquote real world. It's interesting to study that. So I highly recommend everybody find out the real definition of surrealism. 
So yeah, one of my favorite classes in college was arts and ideas. And that's, it was a really, I was interested in architecture at the time and I didn't get into the architecture school, but I was always like, I'm always fascinated by design. And at one point I was like collecting fonts and this is going back to my windows days. <laughs> and so I've always appreciated like the aesthetics of like design and art. And so arts and ideas was a great way for me to be introduced. And I do credit it for, you know, to your point, opening my mind to the world of all these different artists, you know, obviously the Rembrandts and, you know, the Vinci's of the world and the stuff that they created. And then also understanding these different movements like surrealism. And I'm a huge fan of Dali, Salvador Dali, and I've been to the museum in Florida. And every time there's any of his works on display in a museum, I always try to make it there because there's something about his work, specifically the surrealism, that is that dreamy, subconscious level of things that are happening. Like if you stare at a dolly, we have one hanging up in our kitchen, actually, it's a, it's a reprint. And it's, if you look at it, the more you stare at it, the more you see things that are what's happening. And I remember reading about it, like, and if you dig into the specifics, you're like, wow, you're wondering what's going on in their minds at the time that they're painting it and their ability to recreate that subconscious thought expressed on the canvas is really fascinating. So it's definitely one of my favorite artists. So that's why it, it caught my attention. Absolutely. Uh, the painter that we had at Espresso Europa, he would do portraits. He did one of Jimi Hendrix and Friedrich Nietzsche, which I bought and unfortunately I don't have anymore. But he also did one. He sold it to me dirt cheap. He was like, dude, this one is cursed. I was like, yeah. So I'm buying this painting off of him and it looks like, you know, just a kind of a wooded path, you know, not in the middle of the night, but, you know, kind of towards evening. But you look at it. And then you stare at it for a while and then you see these ants, you know, crawling all over everything. And then you see these skulls and then you see other things. <laughs> oh, this first. Okay. I got to hide this. <laughs> yeah. The fact that it operates at many levels is really interesting. So where did this, cause you had, I would imagine this latent interest in the creative arts and poetry. And you said, you know, you didn't experience it a lot growing up. Is it really just when you went to college when that was like awakened that what had been lying dormant inside of you? Well, I was going to use the air force, which a lot of people do a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the military use it for their education benefits. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do my four and get out and go after my degree. I did uh, theater and uh, orchestra in high school. I was kind of the black sheep of the family. And so did that things exploded while I was in the air force of all places in Abilene, Texas, who would have thought that. And then I got to college down at uh, Southern Illinois university in Carbondale. And uh, that's where I got my first theater degree at. And I got my bachelor's in theater there, I'm specializing in lighting design. And then uh, I went on to get my master's in Virginia Commonwealth university in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, that's where I met my wife and, you know, being in that academic setting, it was interesting because it has a lot to do with podcasting. You're forced to, especially with community theater, you're forced to do things with less resources. You know, you have to do everything. You're pretty much got to do everything yourself. And so you have to be able to, you know, make sure you got backups for everything and all that stuff. So that kind of where uh, this artistic streak in me comes from. And, you know, like I said, blue collar background, we didn't really look at the arts that much. It was really looked down upon, but I knew that it was just something inside of me that it had to come out. There was no other way. Yeah, I'm not being dramatic here. I probably wouldn't be alive if it hadn't come out. And I'm so, you know, every day I'm grateful that it did. So that's pretty much where, you know, my impetus for creativity comes from. Well, it's interesting when you start to hear the stories and how you're working with veterans and obviously some of it related to PTSD stuff and how art is able to kind of help them work through some of that. So have you thought about how, you know, you maybe, I don't want to make it as grandiose as your mission in life, but because you have that experience growing up in the Midwest, because you've had the, the military experience, because you've had this passion for the arts, do you feel like now this sort of like Venn diagram of all the different ways and all your different interests is helping you to bring this forward in a way that's helpful for people who may have been where you're at, maybe a generational thing, but how you can demonstrate to them and show them the power of the arts from a healing perspective. And have you seen that now over the years, you know, become more of your role in what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. When I changed the name of the podcast to create art podcast and really found that why that we were talking about earlier, 
used to help out these soon to be veterans at the time that with all the experiences that I had, I could talk the talk with them. And that's an important thing with veterans is that if you can talk the talk and walk the walk, then you get buy-in automatically. Kyle Bondo and I, one of the reasons we hit it off so well, he's a Navy veteran. I'm an Air Force veteran. I think that weekend or something like that, Navy was playing Air Force and football. And of course we beat them. You know, of course we beat them. (laughs) Bragging rights. Exactly. Exactly. But it's that camaraderie that we have because, you know, unlike a lot of jobs in the civilian world, your life does depend on the guy or the gal that's next to you. You are putting your life in their hands. So you have to develop some trust. And, you know, if they're not the same skin color or if they're not the same sexual orientation or whatnot, doesn't matter. That's your life and you need to trust that person. So all those experiences got me to be where I am at today. And I think by using those experiences and showing people, hey, you know, art isn't artsy fartsy. It isn't, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to do art therapy, to work out this stuff because I've done art therapy too. And it's helped me out a ton. So that's kind of my mission in life, uh, so to speak. That's one of my many missions in life with my podcasts. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the, the term artsy-fartsy and on, in the spiritual world, you know, people call it woo-woo, right? So it's just, it's interesting because there's, there's like these labels that people use and wherever they're coming from, you don't know what people's lives and their history have been and where, you know, how they grew up. So maybe, you know, they had to be part of the cool kids and so they couldn't be associated with things like that, like art or spirituality. But it's almost like a defense mechanism to kind of put it in this box to say like, oh, kind of like not denigrating it a bit, but to some extent, maybe saying, oh, it's a fun little thing that you do that's a little weird and strange and and just to kind of put it in that label. So I think for me, I've been making a conscious effort to just like when people say not use that space, it's it's something that for some reason, it just generates like a a feeling inside of me to just like, hey, you're probably saying that because you're uncomfortable with the term. You know, I love it. I, I'm calling it spiritual and, and that's what I am. Like, and, and I interchange all the different words for whatever you want to call universe, spirit, God, creator, like whatever fits and whatever you feel comfortable with. So I think talking about it more and, you know, giving it like actual credence in terms of like, you know, that this is a, a valuable tool in your world, like this idea of creating art, you know, and the therapeutic benefits of art and then the ability for art to express what you have trouble expressing in any other medium. Like, for example, like there's a notebook I have some here about one time I was kind of just feeling stressed out and I just started like doing line drawings in my book. And I just kind of, I would basically creating like a maze drawing. It would look like a maze if you looked at it, but it was just me just kind of like getting like energy out of my, I was just kind of like stressed. I'm like OCD sometimes I'm thinking about so many things and, and it, it was just helpful, you know, and some people like to write. And so my girlfriend is a great, artist she paints a little bit she plays guitar plays play the trumpet so i think during the pandemic we she bought some paint and some you know some board cardboard board whatever it was and i painted a couple of things and uh, so i'll grab one here since we're on video you'll be the only one to see it but i'll show it to you i apologize ahead of time to the listener because this is purely a visual medium but basically i've created that (laughs) oh dude that is nice that is nice, man. Yes, but it was just, it didn't start. I think I started as this little like circle here. And then I was like, and then I was thinking about like the sun. And then so it was just, but when all is said and done, I was like, it's not bad, but it, that's the thing about art. And I think it's something that you probably speak to and talk to when first timers is like, there's no wrong way. Cause I remember sitting at the table and it was, there's something freeing about no rules in art. Like, can I mix this color with this color? Yes. Can I add some water here? Yes. Can I draw a line here? Can I cross it out and paint on top of it? Yes. Like, there's no wrong answer. And it seemed very obvious at the time, but when you're doing it, there's something, there is that therapeutic aspect of like, there's no way you can get it wrong. And I don't know if that's something that comes across when you start working with folks in this space as well. Oh yeah, you have to, you, you can't. One of my taglines is uh, taming that inner critic. The inner critic is a good thing. It's a good thing to have. But when it takes over, when it stops you cold, when it won't let you even start a project, that's when there's a problem. I have an inner critic. My inner critic is loud. He is very loud. And, you know, 
on occasion, I have to take him out back in the woodshed and we, you know, we have a conversation. <laughs> but I think we have been, oh gosh, I'm going to get philosophical here. Please do. <laughs> I think we've been indoctrinated, trained through school, through media that, you know, everything, this is beauty and this is not beauty. And some of the things that aren't beautiful, aren't conventionally beautiful, I absolutely love. Mark uh, Rothko paintings, you know, it just washes of color. We have one down in uh, Richmond, Virginia, which is about an hour south of me. And the first time I saw my first Rothko, I go up there and I got it. I understood what was going on. My wife looked at it and she was like, okay, well, nice paint wash. <laughs> you know, holding back tears going, no, I get it. I get it. And, but our society, for some reason, you know, it doesn't want to let what's not conventionally beautiful out there. You know, they want to shame that. If you don't get it right the first time, you're a failure. I failed for 10 years in podcasting. <laughs> first show. But yet, here I am today talking with you. Yeah. So, yeah, 10 years of failure. Yay. Cool. I had fun failing. It's also like stigmatizing what people would consider failure and they're just experiences like especially as an entrepreneur like since i started my company in 2015 so many ups and downs thousands of dollars lost on silly ideas and things that i thought would be helpful for growing my business or starting something before i started the agency bunch of like the equivalent of mlm stuff online <laughs> just like all just weird stuff that you try and you fall down in your face and in the first couple of times it's painful and it's embarrassing but it's essentially this idea of just failing forward i've heard it described as you just get up you dust yourself off and you have to set resiliency and i'm sure in the military they teach you this real quick <laughs> because you just have to you can't wallow in self-pity like you have to keep moving forward it's this forward momentum i think that where you start to learn that didn't work that didn't work okay you're re reiterating 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 and trying something new to get to the point where you're, you're starting to have success yeah absolutely it's all about that moving forward if it's if you're moving forward one inch a day that's one inch and that's good enough some days that's good enough if you can move 10 miles a day fantastic go ahead and do it but if you got that one inch your goal yeah, I talk about this idea of taking imperfect action or 1% improvement every day. I've been watching your 1% improvement. And, you know, that has influenced me and in how I look at my podcast numbers. Yeah, we all look at our download numbers, you know. Hi, my name is Tim. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I look at download numbers, but I'm looking at, you know, the monthly, the three months, the yearly. Am I doing better? than I was in that last, you know, time period. And I'm, you know, do I have 10 million downloads? No, but I'm doing better than I did last year at the same time. So I'm happy with that. And, you know, I know that my message is getting out there through the podcast because people, you know, keep on finding me. And, you know, one thing that I love hearing is, you know, hearing stories about how people find your podcast. That is. Yes. That's gold. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. We're doing something that most people have no idea how to do. Nobody, you know, at work, nobody knows what an RSS feed is. Nobody but me. I'm the podcast guy at work. So it's like, you know, I have that little inside information. It's fantastic. So a couple of questions as we wrap up. And if you're a regular listener, you might know what's coming. <laughs> what's uh, something you've changed your mind about recently? Two things. One is entrepreneurship. So for the longest time, you know, I would sit through these conferences and uh, when the whole monetization thing came up, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, I'm just doing this for fun. I don't need money off of this, but I am of an age and, you know, looking at retiring at some point, you know, my wife is laughing at me because she knows I won't, but eventually I want to move into a consulting space with the federal government and get their podcast ship shape and being effective because we need to know what our government is doing and, you know, we need to be able to hold them accountable and we need to be able to, you know, see, you know, the stuff that they're experiencing on the back end, So that way we can, you know, support our government better. The other thing is I've been doing this jumpstart creativity cards. It's 50 cards. It gives you inspiration on creativity, different topics. And the card that popped up this week was mercy. And I was like, 
I need to show a little bit more mercy towards myself. I can show mercy towards other people. I can be empathetic with other people, but I need to be more empathetic with myself and more in tune with myself. So, you know, that whole, it goes back to, for me, for the whole Midwest and blue collar thing, you know, work, 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 work. I can knock out a lot of stuff, but you know what? I need to take some time out for me. So that way I can give more time to my wife and my kids because that's what it's all about. What if something you've done or one thing you've done recently to show yourself, give yourself some more grace? Napping. <laughs> that's a great one. It is. And, and it's tough to do. It is tough to do because I work from home and I, I mean, I have a beautiful couch right next to me here off camera, but that's what I do is, you know, be about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, I'm just going to take a half hour nap. I'll throw on some jazz uh, in the background here on my turntable and, and I'll just go ahead and enjoy that 15, 30 minutes and not think about podcasts, not think about work, not think about wife and the kids, just sit back, relax, and just be. And that's something that I've done. That's something that's challenged for me as well. This idea of just being, it's always like a go, go, go mentality, especially when you have an overactive mind and especially as an entrepreneur. And then, then I have a, like a, a marketing mind. So I'm just always thinking of ideas and, you know, that's how I came up with the idea for the vertical farming podcast. But then there's also like, I could do this and this and this. And I think to your point, it's helpful for me. It's meditation. It's been helpful in the morning to just carve out some time. I'm not always consistent with it, but I definitely know that it's something like intentions, affirmations, and some meditation. The binaural naps have been helpful too. You can do 20 minutes, like a lot of good apps. There's a lot of YouTube videos and my girlfriend gifted me the, the noise canceling Bose headphones recently, which are a godsend because like you put those on, it shuts out the world, even if it's for 20 minutes and you put it on a timer. There's a nice app called Endel, E-N-D-E-L. It creates music and based on the mood of, it factors in your location, the weather and kind of where you are in the day. And it says, uh, oh, this is, sounds like it's focus mode and stuff like that. And so it's nice background music because it's like, no vocals, but it's like this sort of like gets you in the, if you need to do like deep work, you know, it's a nice background music. So Endel is an app that I highly recommend. And, and you can do timers of stuff. Say, I want to take a power nap and it'll play a different kind of music that's attuned to like some sort of like circadian rhythm stuff that it's interesting. So they've done, there's some science behind it as well. So if you need to get into certain moods, you can pick the mood. Like there's even a workout one if you want to play background music while you work out. So a big fan of that. And I appreciate you sharing that. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? That I have it all figured out. <laughs> I'm just winging being a twin dad, being a husband, being a podcaster, you know, doing the art that I do, working my job that I work. This is, none of this was in my 10-year plan. I didn't have a 10-year plan. So yeah, I don't have it all figured out, but I've been around the block a bunch of times. So I've seen a lot and I've done a lot. And so a lot of people think, oh, yeah, no, you got it figured out. You're good to go. You know, they come to me for advice and I'm like, I think do this. That's what the universe is telling me to tell you. Do this and come back to me in six months and see what happens. I think what's most important there, Tim, and, and what I've found recently, and it's probably a bit to what you're alluding to in terms of my online journey, like I didn't know anything about digital marketing in like 2014 or 15 when I started Podcast Junkies. I just sort of was just like winging it, but I had some experience in like creating music digitally because I was DJing. And so I kind of pieced all that stuff together. But then I realized I had to immerse myself in the world of digital marketing. So I hired a coach and then had to learn entrepreneurship. And then so focused on growing that, that I, I was having this presence of who I wanted the world to see me as. And I think um, working with some new coaches over the past year and a half, and one of the questions they ask you is, what are you best in the world at? And that's an interesting thought experiment because, you know, some people might look at it from an egotistical lens and saying, like, how dare you say that? But almost owning all the different parts, like there's only one Tim Bryan. When you think about all the aspects, Air Force, the poetry, the interest in surrealism, like how you're helping veterans, the podcasting experience, like everything you just described and probably stuff we haven't even touched upon, there's only one you. And so I think sharing that story, sharing, and then sharing the vulnerability of like the mistakes you've made. And I think that's where I'm seeing the most interest because when I write my newsletters every Saturday and I publish them every Saturday, Sometimes they're just like, here's a tip on podcasting or something about you know, meditation, but sometimes they're just like a, something personal that happened. Like our family dog died a couple of 
days ago, I mean, well, weeks ago. No, it's actually been a month as of yesterday. It's been a while. But I talked about that, how much, how hard that hit and how I'm still processing it. And you never know what you share from your personal journey that's going to resonate with folks. So I've been really encouraging everyone I come across, just like share everything, share the good, share the bad, share the tough, you know, share the challenging, because there's someone out there, you know, and I talk about this from a podcast perspective, you know, as, as sharing your voice, but sharing your stories is so important. So I appreciate you talking about that, doing more in that, helping people, encouraging people to do that as well with your shows and with your journey. So that's, it's really needed, I think, in current times. Amen to that. So I appreciate you reconnecting. I'm glad it's been it's nice to, to kind of maintain that initial relationship and then ongoing digital relationship for lack of a better term but i think it's so challenging in this day and age because you know you meet people through all walks of life i'm so grateful to podcasting for opening so many doors for me so i'm grateful we had this opportunity to come here and for you to share your story because it's so interesting all the different interests that you have and i think it's encouraging for folks to hear that there is no one path and you don't have to let all your other passions go on the wayside bring them into what you're currently doing because i think that's the beauty of, of what you do and, and how you're letting people let their own freak flag fly and that it's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm just glad they had this time to reconnect with you as well. You know, the uh, first time that I met you, I was a little bit starstruck and it was a little bit standoffish. But now I'm just like, you know, if I see you at a conference, uh, watch out. You're getting a big bear hug. <laughs> comfortable with that. Yeah, it's OK. I'm a hugger, too. So that's cool. So lots of things we talked about, but where's the best place for us to send folks to connect with you to learn about what you're working on? Sure. Well, so website, uh, createartpodcast.com. I was happy to get that URL. I don't know how I did, but, you know, maybe I should play the lottery. Always email me at uh, timothy at createartpodcast.com. And you get connected with all the other podcasts that I'm uh, involved with and everything that I'm doing. And I know you shared all those sites and the socials with us in the onboarding form as well. So everything you've provided, anything else you think might be helpful, let me know and we'll put it in the show notes. So if you're following along at home, you don't feel the need to take notes, everything will be in the show notes. So Tim, thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's really exciting to see what's been happening in your life since we first connected and how things are continuing to open up for you. So I appreciate you sharing your personal journey, which I think is going to be helpful for our listeners. Awesome. Well, thank you, Harry. Thank you so very much. Thanks again to Tim for coming on the show. Always appreciated when my guests spend an hour of their time, their valuable time, and really share personal stories. And that's really what I love about this experience. And it's been amazing for me and hopefully for you as a listener as well. Full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Cedarsoil.com for his full list of music. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Vocaster line. Learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Vocaster. That's V-O-C-A-S-T-E-R. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co and see if a podcast might be just what your business needs. If you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with hashtag Tim Art. And you can tag us at podcast underscore junkies and Tim at create art pod all one word create art pod tune in next week for my conversation with kate chiricello thanks for all you do to support the show talk to you next week